Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. If I'm being honest, and I would like to think that I am as much as possible, <laughs> I, uh, I find that some weeks when you're doing a podcast like this, it's, well, it's not easy. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack. This is episode number 113. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. What do I do? Well, for DC Comics News, I go ahead and pick the top five books from each and every week. It's not a responsibility I take lightly, and uh, I'm going to be totally honest with you. This was not easy. There were 16 books this week. That, that's like at least three different ways I could have gotten it wrong. Minimum. Okay, I'm, I'm not the Flash. I actually can't do computations like that. <laughs> what I can do is read through all of the books and in my best efforts, share with you what I think are the top five each and every week. That's what I do. That's why I'm here. These are all the books from July 6th. Recovering from that, oh, 4th of July madness chaos. Do you have dogs? I have dogs. They hate, uh, they both hate and fear fireworks. And it's just, yeah, anytime we go to a family function, we have to be home before dark because the fireworks are already going off before that. And by then we got to be home because Fiji, Bruno, they're sweet, but they're just so unmanageable. Like you can just feel the anxiety sort of coursing through their veins, much like the uh, anxiety through mine when I have to pick what my top five. Now, this one made it a little easier for me with some brand new offerings that uh, are, are some great issues that, man, if you love great comics, if you love the great stories, if you love the timeless feel, then there's a couple of these that are really going to ring true. And um, the first one that I'm going to point to has to be Justice League Infinity. I absolutely love that this is a continuation of the Justice League animated series. Now, Fiji and Bruno, they're going to have their own degrees of excitement. And those are not going to be the same as mine. In fact, right now, Fiji just tried to rattle the all goodness that could hold up the microphone and all of the stand. And, and yeah, I, I, I love her. But when she's fussy, man, she's not trying to make it easy. So back to it. Justice League Infinity, a continuation of the great Justice League and Justice League Unlimited series. I, I can watch those all day long, every day, and then watch them all over again just because they're that good. There were just not enough seasons. And uh, man, I love that for anyone who has that same feeling, you have Justice League Infinity. It's, it's 
beautifully written by uh, J.M. DeMattei. I hope I'm saying that right. Remember, with me, there's always a 75% chance I'm saying it incorrectly. So don't repeat as I say it. I'm saying things as I read them. And that's how I prefer to go with it. That usually means I'm going to get it wrong because sometimes I get a little bit of... uh, yeah, those things that happened with words since I was a kid. And when the letters get swapped, well, I'm just really adorable that way. So thanks for understanding. Thanks for your patience. Man, so when you've got great writing by J.M. Damat, whatever last name I'm going to ruin, Damate, and James Tucker collaborating, and then you've got art by Ethan Beavers, well, You've got an homage matched by Nick Filardi's colors and Tom Napolitano's letters. Not only that, but boy, you're going to love the Francis Manipal cover. It's absolutely perfect. I mean, just brilliantly so. And it gives you all the things you're looking for. If you remember this series with the same sort of fondness that I do, and if you do, then yeah, everything you're looking for. And then if you want a bonus, well, you've got Scott Hepburn and Ian Herring providing a variant cover that is just as good as you want it to be. Man, and if you want both both worlds, and if you want the best of them, <laughs> you're in good luck. You're in good shape. I love that this issue teases us with a lovely reminder of Amazo as he appeared in that series. This really sort of interesting gold figure, a, uh, a voice that harkens me back to, well... Let's just say there was a Star Trek series called Voyager, and he played the Doctor. And hearing his voice as Amazo, I I heard it in my head again while I was reading through uh, this wonderful book. And and all of the feelings about it were just, man, they everything I wanted to see. They continue on so many of the themes and stories that existed in... Oh, hey, buddy. Looks like Bruno's moving. All right, maybe he's chilling out. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. So you've got a lot of those great storylines, as I was mentioning. You've got Martian Manhunter. You've got, um, and and what a wonderful reference to that in this great page that just shows how many different lives he's lived and all the different ways he's done his best to connect with humanity. You've got Flash being Flash, which is he gets called away from a great date on a Justice League emergency only to hear about, well what it is that's happening and what's happening is a surprise birthday party and with that you also have a great chance for everybody to be together a great chance for some of those um, things that never got finished when it comes to justice league like what about john stewart and uh shiera what what about the fact that when things fell apart between them he ended up with vixen and there's still kind of a funny tension and how he suggests that if the girls are talking, it's got to be about him. And <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of great humor. There's a lot of great energy. And then, of course, there's, well, there's the fun of having Granny Goodness come crash the party. So Granny shows up, and she, of course, wants nothing but mayhem and the right to say that she defeated the Justice League. But, of course... There's always, uh, you know, dark side son, Calabac. <laughs> and the way they're portrayed with the wonderful feelings of emotions and yet the excitement and the joy and so much fun. I mean, there's, there's, something, there's something really 
thrilling about seeing all of these great characters brought back to life, watching them appear, watching the way that they show up. And then also we get a suggestion of a harrowing adventure awaiting them about so much more in store. But what a great reminder of how much fun these guys are when they're working together. And man, what a great ride to sort of kick things off. I love that that's the first book. I kind of feel like when I start with that, I can almost never do wrong, or at least in this case, I can't do too much too wrong because that was my starting point. And if that's my starting point, well, come on, it's going to stay good. Well, guess what? It does stay good because my second book is Batman The Adventure Continues, season two, issue number twos. So The Adventures Continue is a great feeling behind uh, that same idea that Justice League Infinity offers up, which is capturing the animated series in a comic book, bringing the best of the two worlds together, and recognizing just how iconic it was to have Bruce Timm provide these animated worlds that then translated so gorgeously to comics. And they continue to do so here. We've got this season two, number two. We've got Bruno snoring because, goodness, it wouldn't be an episode of The Spinner Rack if the dogs didn't decide they had to be right here with me, snoring, boring, and, yeah, just adorable in all the best ways. Um, One of the reasons they're able to get at me is if you haven't heard me say it enough with the whole knee replacement thing, I do a lot of icing. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things, and if you're icing, well... You kind of have a limit to what you can do. And if I'm going to be recording an episode, I generally have to ice in the process and then usually a little bit later too. It's not like I'm like doing squats while I do this. You'd you'd hear me gasping. But (laughs) when when I'm limited in this way, the dogs know to take advantage and they certainly love to crowd up. Now, they know how much I love to hang out and watch great episodes of animated series reading through this issue the court fight part two that's right we've introduced the court of owls into batman adventures continues and season two issue two picks up with the great writing of alan burnett and paul dinney with ty templeton providing the art monica kubina providing the colors josh reed with the letters and we have chris Anea providing the cover, and my Dunbar and Luis Guerrero providing the variant cover. My copy's a little blurry with their names, sadly, so if I mispronounce anything in there, it's totally me, and that's just how it goes sometimes. Thanks for your understanding on it. So, one of the things that was great about this issue, too, is it brings in Deadman to the story, and he's just so much fun because he's wildly irreverent. He's also, you know, an acrobat who doesn't mind tossing himself into Alfred and then doing a couple of one-handed handsprings. But there's also what, what it is that they've uncovered, which is something that burns him when it touches these owls who are part of the fabric of Gotham. Now, yeah, if you enjoyed the Batman series and the story of the Court of Owls that was offered up, that, that really sort of, you know, was part of this great, she's just unbelievable undertaking with Batman recently. Well, I say recently, but in the past couple of years, maybe a few more than a couple, but, but that's just how I view time. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, <laughs> the Court of Owls is something you're familiar with, and if you're not, this is such a fun introduction, such a wonderful original take. And through it, we, we also get the chance to just sort of, you know, 
see what's out there in the world of Bruce Wayne, in the world of Batman, and in the world of Gotham. And when you bring in dead men and you uncover a deeply nefarious hidden entity that was always dismissed as a children's poem, but instead discover that they're animating dead tissue and that a future like this awaits them all, or at least all those who are part of the court. Well, then it's really kind of interesting to, you know, enjoy an, a new take on a familiar story. And if it's not familiar, then it's completely new and a really fun introduction. And then, if you like it, go back. Find the original Court of Owls. Give it a read. Tell me what you think. And what does the comparison mean for you, if anything? I know, I know. This is where it gets fun, and this is where I enjoy myself the most. Um, you're going to love the fact that this is, again, just like Justice League Infinity, a wonderful homage to the animated series, not only in style and color, but in story. There, there's elements that just feel like they, they are aware of who they are following in the footsteps of, and that there are things you do and don't do, there's things you show and don't show, and there's a reason why things could happen, terrible things could happen to characters in the animated series and the comic book, but that doesn't mean they always appeared on the screen on the panel. There's a reason why they would allude to certain things and allow the imagination, especially if it's younger, to stick with the more PG, PG-13, perhaps. Perhaps even not even that serious. But uh, there's, a, there's a way that that framing sets up these types of stories and these issues. And these are two great examples of that to kick off here, episode number 113. I'm going to take a quick ad break so I can let you guys know all the great stuff going on here at DC Comics News. How do I do that? Well, let me tell you a secret. I get out of the way and I let the best people talk to you about all the great stuff you want to know about. That starts now and when we come back, my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now, you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S. 35 DC News 35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at insighteditions.com Hi everyone I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News podcast here every week to talk everything DC movies TV comics and everything in between but don't just take my word for it here are a couple of our sponsors listen to the DC Comics News podcast it's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? 
Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. Here's <laughs> <laughs> hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show, we're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. 
off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're gonna be yeah. talking about we're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't. Want to. God damn it. Look, all right. We're back gonna Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes. Content creation reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's seasoned, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. There goes that sound of that smooth, cool, I don't know, almost... 80s but skyish saxophone some musician fan out there is totally shaking their head at how bad i'm getting that wrong and you know what i won't know until you tell me so if you know chime in let me know i do my best to uh be around and just find dc comics news and then you can find me and it's that easy really i let you know all the ways at the end but as I mentioned, that cool, smooth, sultry sound allows us to slide out of the ad breaks and right into my third, fourth, and fifth choices for this episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm still your host, Seth Singleton. We're still talking about the fact that I had 16 books. I somehow narrowed it down to five. Either I'm a genius or an idiot, and either you love me or, well, I don't know what else you might feel towards me that might be um, negative. And should you? That's your choice. <laughs> For my next choice, I decided to go with Batman Secret Files, The Signal, number one. Man, th this was a fun story for me, and it was something that I, I really enjoyed because it's the one thing that doesn't happen very often. Batman in the Day Shift. When, when, when does that happen when you see Nightwing and Batgirl and Batman and Spoiler and any of the Robins? I mean, they're best at night, and that's when they excel. And it's easier to remain hidden between the night and the shadows and uh, the lack of light. <laughs> Which is where a great character like Signal comes into play. And we get the chance to see just what it means to try and be Signal in the present day. With everything we know going on in the world that we live in. And the world that we love to escape in or spend time in. Which is in the world of Gotham. Which has been through a lot. I mean, between Bane, Joker War, and uh, all of the wonderful magistrate solutions between Peacekeepers and more that Future State suggested and we're seeing slowly build in the current books, Tony Patrick writes a story that shows us what it is we, well, can learn more about through this issue and how it is that Christian Duce uh, or Duce uh, art and the combination of Luis Guerrero's colors matched by the storytelling device of Anne World's letters brings to life this story in a fun and beautiful way. Ken Lashley and Juan Fernandez providing the cover with Cully Hammer on the variant cover. They're all pretty gorgeous. That's one of those fun things when you have an issue like this. I mean, the original is just a classic superhero, great first issue posing, um, except... 
interestingly enough with this one it's in the daylight compared to batman at night and then with that variant you've got you know we've got our signal on a ledge but way off in the distance way off in the distance you can see hanging from a spire on the needle there's batman and it, it yeah it, it's great for your collection if that's something you're looking for and if it's not well it's nice to look at because my goodness it's just pretty downtown gotham city morning before the uh shift there's the training there's cassandra kane and signal getting down getting well they're blood pumping as they prepare for all the things that are facing them during the day whether it's Freightliners docked in the East Harbor that disappeared into thin air right around sunrise. Nothing suspicious about that. A uh, Star Labs vault that was attacked and cleaned out by unknown parties, but it contained extraterrestrial weapons. That's nothing to worry about. A uh, Another violent assault. And, oh, yeah, daylight attacks in public locations, including ones in which... A guy holding a brick is trying to take down a couple of police officers. Just, you know, some stuff to worry about, some stuff to deal with. But you also have this great message. You know, the idea of what Batman sees as a destiny and a future for Signal. Um, he's stating that this is the newest phase. That phase two was having Signal work with a team like the Outsiders. And that now... After that period has passed, Signal will be, uh, he'll be taking on the role of daytime emissary. He will be doing something that Batman hopes is a positive in reaction to the failures that he feels he created in the Robins, like Jason, like Damien. That, that even what he did with Dick was positive, but Dick had to leave in order to find his, well, his own way. And that instead, with Signal, what we have here is an opportunity for someone who was born and bred in Gotham, someone who is a metahuman, someone with uh, outstanding detective skills, who can be there for the city. He gets a drive from Batman with insights, uh, journals, plans, all sorts of different things. And he reminds Signal that he'll need to get things ready. Get the uh, hatch up and running. Um, reach out for some help. And also, maybe try not to turn into a jerk when bearing all of the weight of the responsibilities. It's a really fun story. It takes, it takes the reader to a lot of different places. We get to see uh, the metahuman abilities. We get a chance to see different parts of the costume and work. We also see the degree of danger that's being faced. And it... Man, it looks hard. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's the kind of job that I could handle, but it is one that touches on a lot of great stuff, like the crime Bible, like uh, the dark history. And there's also the awareness that it's important for during all of this for Duke to heal. For Duke to be aware of the fact that what he's doing is hard. There's a reason why Batman doesn't do it. Why in some ways he knows he can't. And also why it is that for Duke, there's just going to always be this pull. 
between being the best signal, between being a good partner, um, between being a human being as well as a hero. And man, there's also the possibility that there are some dangerous things potentially in the future. Also, there's a chance that some trouble is suggested heading Duke's way and what that's going to mean for his next issue and the continuation of the story could mean a lot, not just for him, but also for the rest of the Bat Universe. Really enjoyed this one. Had a lot of fun reading it, a lot of fun talking about it with you, which is pretty much just me talking to you. But when you talk back, I always feel like it's a two-way street. So thanks for all of you who send a message. Always appreciate those and I appreciate the fact that we still have two left to go, so I'm going to go ahead and bring things around. My next choice, Swamp Thing number five, Ram V continues to astound, astonish, and amaze me with his storytelling, with his rendition. Um, so many people might have been mistaken if they believed that only Alec Holland had a story to tell about Swamp Thing. And that's disappointing to imagine. Because what we get with this new Swamp Thing story is an idea, a challenge that is very haunting in its premise. And it's a concept addressed in the title, Survivor Bomb. So Ram V's story is matched with John McCrea's art, Mike Spicer's colors, letters by Aditya Bidikar, and an original cover by Merk, Mike, Merk, Mike Perkins and Mike Spicer, Mike Mike. And Brian Bolin providing the variant cover. Ooh, I don't know how to feel great about what happens when John Constantine is at the beginning of a scene. It, it just feels like there's a lot of trouble in store and nobody understands just how bad it can get. However, what we do see is that there's not only a conflict for our new Swamp Thing who doesn't always have control over when it's happening to him. Just like right now, my little Fiji is trying to maneuver my microphone in a way that I don't have control over when she does it. Oh, big, big, big pitbull sigh. Okay, honey. Big sigh. So, who is it that's uh, seeking John Constantine's help? Yeah, I'm going to leave that be for a little bit. I feel like it's a fun component. But who they are and what they can connect to is a really interesting idea. Imagine, if you will, that you are in London or are aware of the fact that during World War II, London was assaulted by bombs in a, an unending just onslaught from Germany, night after night, hour after hour, consistent, relentless, and for every one of those bombs that dropped and exploded, there were those that didn't. But just because something didn't explode doesn't mean that the intention behind the device doesn't still exist. Much like emotion, much like all of the elements that comprise magic, what does it mean when the intention of a bomb is not released, but instead seeps slowly through the ground, affecting people, affecting the landscape, and creating a, a really dark and forbidding twist to this one man if you enjoy great stories if you if you love the the dark and the horrific but also told 
with an eye towards history and the present day. This is going to be a really great book for you with a wildly, wildly um, amazing ending. And also the suggestion that uh, things do not look good for a certain hero, especially with the fact that there are those who have their, their sights on them. And they don't have good intentions. In fact, they're the type who are used to manipulating. And that's, that's going to be a tough one. Curious to see how that shapes out. Just as I'm curious about the next book, my fifth and final here, I'm talking about The Nice House on the Lake Number 2. My goodness, James Tynan. Uh, if you've been catching up on the, uh, the episodes of uh, the weekly podcast, you know the Eisner Awards came out. I'm not saying this person's on there or not. I'm saying you tune into the podcast. You might find out a little bit. But there's a reason why I've really been digging what James Tynan is doing. There's a reason why he thought he was only coming on for a short time when it came to Batman. But that as soon as he started telling the wonderful story that has been his take on things from issue 85 on is... Whew, it's it's fairly amazing, and in the nice house on the lake, you're reminded of just how good he can get it, how he can make it. Uh, this story is matched with the gorgeous art of Alvaro Martinez Bueno, who does not only the interior art, but also the cover. You've got Jordi Belair on the colors and will design on the letters. And um, man, you've got this gorgeous Anon. Radha Hakarsnan providing the variant cover. It's <laughs> you. You're you're not gonna go wrong. I I know. Um, I got the original and not the variant. I'm looking at the variant. I'm scratching my actual beer. That's that's me scratching on my scruff there. Going, man. I probably should have just gotten two because I've been doing that with a lot of his books and I feel pretty good about it. That variant cover has a piano player, one you might recognize when you open the pages. And as it did in the first issue, a character near the end of the story is talking about how it is that they got to the story, doing so through a great flashback to a time um, when it was college. And sure, you've got this guy, Walter, who's brought everyone into the house together right before this horrible event has overtaken the world. But there's this flashback to a time when Walter is a little drunk and he's hanging out and his roommate is trying to figure out what's going on. Only to have Walter just say, hey man, do me a favor when we get right down to it, don't hate me. Just don't hate me. And that's a pretty tough thing to uh, suggest. We get a lot of uh, really interesting writing devices here. There's a uh, transcription from a series of events that take place in the kitchen. It's It's... Also able to introduce this idea that not everyone who's there uh, was single or alone, that they had people they cared about. In fact, one person had a spouse who's no longer with them because they were out in the world when the horrible event that includes some really nasty descriptions of things like bodies and faces melting and, and other terrible um, cataclysmic sort of end-of-the-world type events. And that... When attacked at one point, uh, Walter displays an uncanny defensive ability, which is his face seems to break apart and then somehow like chew up uh, 
the hand of one of the others, and then later in a very harrowing moment um, in front of a bathroom mirror, we get to see how one character's reflection is normal. Meanwhile, Walter's looks like it is disintegrating, exploding, twisting, taking on like seven different dimensions of existence just by standing there. Um, we then get a chance to shift through some really fun, again, writing devices, as well as a reminder of the way that each character is introduced in the first issue, which is with a sort of designation or tag, like a name, and then also a symbol, artist, this, that. Um, and, and those are still being referenced because for the people who are around and are trying to figure some things out, it's helpful to track who it is that everyone, you know, knows how they all know Walter, what it meant for Walter to make this choice. And then also a very shocking and terrifying idea, which is an object placed near the entrance of the house, an object that feels like something. And then when you touch it, it shows you where you were and what horrible things have transpired in the outside world since the guests have arrived at the lake and learn that the rest of the world has fallen into utter madness. Now, an interesting and horrifying and terrorizing suspense that is introduced in the final pages is the idea that just perhaps someone in the house is being persuaded, influenced by Walter, and that they will work to do Walter's will and then encourage others one by one to participate in a planned itinerary that includes things that would sound great if you were just on vacation, but sound, well, just creepy in light of everything that's going on. Like Monday, everyone arrives, steaks on the grill, um, monster movie, next day, lazy breakfast, boats, relax, dinner, thriller. So, um, that all sounds like fun, except for the fact that the rest of the world has totally disappeared. Now, they've been told that there's plenty of food and entertainment and access to all sorts of different things that, that will allow them to enjoy themselves. There's the piano. Man, there's a lot. And it feels like we're seeing the setup and then the slowly unraveling existence of these who remain. And so they're part of a very ugly and unpleasant science experiment, one that will not end well, and one they're not even aware they're in, let alone why it is they're being put through these things. If you can think of something more horrifying, well, good on you. However, if you're looking to see just how horrifying Tynan's version of the world can get with the nice house on the lake, Stay tuned. I have a feeling more issues will be appearing here on the spinner rack very soon. Uh, with the snoring dogs, I think I'm going to go ahead and bring this one to a close. And who knows, maybe even get a nap for myself. When it comes to making sure you never miss out, subscribe, rate, review, whatever platform you're listening to. And you can make sure that you never miss an episode of DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Other great shows like the weekly podcast, Mad Love, all about Harley Quinn's animated series, as well as I Am the Night, the Batman the Animated Series that is hosted by Steve J. Ray and offers a wonderful breakdown of each episode. We've also got great stuff coming your way on YouTube like DCN After Dark, 
um, we've got so much more in store. So subscribe, check it out. Never miss a beat, never miss a moment, never miss an episode. And you got things you loved or didn't love or things you want to just tell us, reach out to the whole family over at, at DC Comics News on your favorite platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, you know, all the good stuff, YouTube, you name it. At symbol, DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Send us the note, the message, the love, the question. We're here. We'd love to hear it, share it back with you. That's going to bring us to that final statement I love to say at the end of every episode we record, and that is to always read more comics. Hey, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you next time.